chapter number two, and uh, we'll just look at that again, take our thoughts from there. We thank God for his grace, not just as an abstract thought, but the outworking of his grace in my life, firstly for salvation. I, uh, I, it was a work of grace that God got me to himself, as it was for all of you who, uh, who know him. I certainly know that when I got saved, my understanding was very little. There, was, there wasn't much. I've, I've often thought about it. Um, I didn't really have, no one went through the Romans road. Um, you know, the, there wasn't a clear, uh, sort of super clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, but God had been working on my heart. And I, I, as I reflect on it, I think what happened was, and there's a part of it I can't explain as there is for every one of you who's been saved because it is a work of God beyond understanding in some sense. But I do remember having a yieldedness. I remember that. I remember that I realised uh, I wanted to come to him um, what, for what I knew of him, but I wanted to come I, as much as I, I wouldn't have understood the word surrendered back then, but I think there was a part of me that was surrendered. And it doesn't take a lot to come to Christ and to get saved. Yeah, really, he's, uh, he's not willing that any should perish. He wants you to come. And so we do thank God for his grace. And then not just uh, grace for salvation, but he continues to give us the graces that we need to live for him. And a grace is a hard word to quantify because uh, I, try to, I try to explain it in, you know, to the ties sometimes. I say, well, God will give grace. But that's a fairly abstract thought. It's, it's grace. How do you define that? What, what was the grace of God given to Trish uh, for those years of her sickness before she went? It was easier to see it than to understand it. It was just, it was kind of like God has an ability to give you the strength you need to go through whatever it is you're going through at that particular time. And that's his grace. And uh, it's an ongoing grace. So uh, it is amazing grace. And uh, we thank God for it. And this is a wonderful idea uh, that Pastor has uh, led us with to uh, be reaching, to be inviting people to Easter. We, we've uh, given out invitations already. Uh, there are people that we are praying for. And uh, I think we all should get behind that. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Thank you, Nathan, for doing the reading. Uh, I want to take uh, a thought uh, from verse number 2. And uh, just to, to sort of preface this, think about that the Thessalonians, well, they were people. And they were people who uh, at one point did not know Christ and then they had got saved so their journey was similar to yours in that way. And uh, then after you get saved, you start learning about God, who he is, and, and then you learn more things about what the Bible says and, and what's going to happen. And some of the, some of the best uh, references we have to the coming of Christ are found in Thessalonians. And uh, it's interesting that that is there because... Uh, seemingly from a human perspective, from that group of people, they were very interested in that. 
Uh, they wanted to understand about the Lord coming. Uh, they were taught about that in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we have some great verses there in, uh, in chapter 4 where it's explained about what's going to happen. So it was important to them, but it also, uh, this was something somehow that the devil was able to use to disturb them. And sometimes what you care about the most can also be the thing that can be used the most to disturb you. So when you're indifferent to something, you don't really care. Or if you care a little, it probably does not have great potential to disturb you. But when you have a real real care about something, you're really engaged about something, uh, it's something you're thinking about uh, or somebody, something you're close to, that has potential to be used to disturb you also. Uh, and so these folks were very focused on the coming of the Lord. And they were living in a day where there was no emails, you know, hallelujah, take us back, but uh, no emails, uh, no texting, you know, no, no messenger apps and, and uh, no, no TV, uh, no radio broadcasts. Uh, no, no, nobody could send a fax. Uh, I, I remember when I started my, one of my first jobs at, when I was 17, I worked for an international <coughs> freight forwarding company and they used to receive messages by tape. This long tape would come out with, with holes punched in it and it was, it was I, I don't even know what it was called. Someone here will, probably someone worked it. But there was this amazing lady who worked in the office who could understand what all that tape meant. And it would just spiral out. It had all little holes in it. And, and then, you know, but none of that was available to these people. So there's a certain isolation. And you're living in a day where there's not churches everywhere. Churches are being birthed. They're being born. And, and somehow uh, this church uh, was being disturbed about the fact that maybe Jesus has come already and we, didn't, we, we were left behind. And somebody was fueling that. Somebody was, somebody was stirring them up about that. And it became a, a, a troubling situation to them where, where they were wondering, is it true? You know, has everybody else gone? And uh, we've, been, we've been left behind. And what are the implications of that? And I think that the reason that this church was being attacked that way was to stop their effectiveness in serving God. Now, uh, Paul says to them here in, his, uh, in the second uh, epistle to the Thessalonians in chapter 2, he said uh, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. And that, that seems to be what was going on, that they were shaken in mind. And shaken in mind is what I want to talk about this morning, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, uh, or be troubled. And then he, he gives uh, several things there uh, that he warns them about. And uh, I think uh, if you get shaken in mind, if you get really shaken in mind, uh, it can be very debilitating to your functioning. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you get, if you get physically impaired, if you have a physical impairment, and yet you have a strong mind, 
many people can overcome their physical disability by a strong mind. And we celebrate those stories. We, the media loves them and, you know, Australian story and whatever else. I mean, we celebrate the stories of people who had considerable physical impairment uh, and yet by determination, strength of mind, uh, uh, you know, a resilient spirit, they overcame that. But if you have a shaken mind, even if you have a strong body, you can become very debilitated. And so, so this would be a favoured methodology of our enemy. If you want to debilitate the people of God, if you want to stop them doing what they are doing, then to shake them in mind would be a good strategy. And so this is what was happening here. Because when you get saved, there's nothing that anybody can do to get you unsaved. If you are truly a child of God, you can never be disowned. Um, you might get, you know, I used to get taken to the bathroom, which was, was not a happy, you know, wasn't a happy situation. If, if it was that, that was, that was the meeting place. I, I don't know why it was chosen the bathroom, but that was the, the meeting place where dad would take off his belt and, uh, and uh, you know, child abuse would happen. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that was my day. And, but, you know, uh, to, be, to be debilitated in mind is to, is to uh, limit the, the amount of effectiveness that you can be for God. And I think what was happening here is the devil could not get them unsaved. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have the power to destroy that local church. The devil never destroys local churches. Local churches destroy themselves. It's, it's never, the local churches never, never fall apart from the externals. Uh, the externals can be horrendous and the local churches can be incredibly strong. Local churches always destroy themselves from within. And I've seen that, I've seen that all over Australia. I'm, I'm not saying it's a, you know, a weekly event, but I've seen it too many times where, a, where a, a, a church will, where that can happen. So he can't do it that way. He tries to cause an infirmed mind. Now, Paul gives here three things, and we will, we will, we will just mention these three and be done. Three things here that can cause a shaken mind. Three things here that can be what is behind your troubled mind. And he names them there in verse number two. Uh, when your mind is shaken, by the way, it, 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 if you noticed, it can overwhelm you emotionally as well. Uh, my mum has uh, Alzheimer's now and uh, she's, uh, you know, part way through. It's a, it's a condition where there is, you know, a deterioration and uh, she's part way through that deterioration and she went into a, a care facility. I mean, she's, you can go and chat and all of that. And she knows who you are and at the moment, mostly. But uh, she's in, she went to a care facility about a month ago, and it's quite nice. Uh, uh, and uh, she, she was in there, and I was visiting her. And now she has a shaken mind. Well, you can understand her condition has resulted in her having a shaken mind. So, so she's a bit feeble when she talks. You know, you can, 
picked that up. And anyway, she was sharing with me when I was there. She was, she was upset. And uh, she teared up and, and she was just upset. And I said, what's wrong? And, and she said, oh, a, a lady came into my room this morning and she, she spoke very mean to me. And then she, she cried and she yelled at me. One of the staff, she said she yelled at me and she cried again. And I said, oh, it's okay, Mum, you know, and we tried to talk about something else. And about 10 minutes later, she said, why did she yell at me? And then she cried again. And then I said, oh, it's all right, Mum, you know, it'll be okay. You know, she might have been having a bad day. And then we, she sort of, we moved on. And then about 10 minutes later, it came back again. She said, why do people do that? They yell at people like that. All right, you see what happened? Something had got in here. And it was warring on her mind. And her emotions were just, were just overflowing. And this is what happens when you get a shaken mind. You become troubled and your emotions get really worked over. And, and, and you can have emotional hurt and, and it, it manifests in different ways. So it's a very effective thing if the devil can get you to have a shaken mind. Now... Can I say this morning, uh, God wants you to have a sound mind. And it's a, it's, a, that's a, it's a good prayer to pray. And it's a Bible prayer using Bible words to pray for a sound mind. I, I'm very, I would welcome your prayers for my sound mind, particularly when I'm in other places. It can be quite assailing on your mind. It's a good prayer to pray. God, give them a sound mind. God wants you to have a sound mind. And I can say that this morning, not saying to you, this is not a promise, oh, you'll never be sick. But I can say the Bible, it's that God wants you to have a sound mind. All right. Now, three things Paul says here. Let's look at them quickly. And uh, he says in verse number two, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. And then it's a one, two, three. And I, there's the first one here he said is neither by spirit. All right, so, so this is talking about spirits. And I think in the West, we're a little bit in denial about the presence of spirits and, the, and what they can do to someone's life. Now, I, I think if you're saved, you believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you believe God is a spirit. The Bible says that and... And I think you believe that. Uh, I think you believe in your spirit. You probably know your body, soul, spirit. So you, you, you know that and you acknowledge that. But, but sometimes uh, we don't, we're not as aware as much as we should be that there are also demonic spirits. Uh, there, are, there are spirits, they're called demonic spirits, they're sometimes called unclean spirits, but they're spiritual entities uh, that are at work. They're present here uh, on earth, they're present in Australia, they're present in Brisbane, they're present in Albany Creek, they may be even closer present than that. They're, they're around and, uh, and uh, what they can do is when they come to your life, and uh, we shan't talk this morning about whether they're coming in or, or on or near, and we're not using the word possessed, uh, so nobody's saying that, but we're saying the presence of spirits in your life 
can cause you to have a shaken mind. And you have to acknowledge that. You know, people, when I'm in America, people, just comes up in conversation, they talk about, you know, shooting deer or, you know, somebody was driving a car and a deer ran out and it just comes up a lot. They talk about it all the time. Yet I have to tell you, in all my time of going there, uh, I've never... (laughs) I've never had any of that happen. I've never, I've never seen one. Um, I've never had one run on the road. Um, I've never seen one out the window. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a, but there's millions of them. And I mean, if, if you said, if you were over there and if you were me and you said, oh, look, I don't believe in that. And they'd say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've never seen one. And they'd say, no, no, there's, there's millions, and there are, if you look it up, there, there's millions of them here. And I'd say, well, you know, you say that, but you're probably just fixated with that or something because I've never seen that. And I think sometimes we do that with spirits. We, we don't realise that they are everywhere and they're part of what we have to contend with here. And what, what do they... Pastor Hemish, what do they want to do? Why? Why? Well, they 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 they're opposed to God. Uh, they're opposed to the work of God. I think they have personalities and they're entities. Uh, it's incredible to think that they were in heaven. They they know about God, but what they want to do, they want to cause havoc. And the way they mostly can do that is to is to be around you and to disturb your mind. So what will happen is. Um, you know, by a series of very troubling, disturbing thoughts. So it could be that you have obsessive thoughts. Uh, One of the things that they will often do is they will overwhelm you emotionally and they will cause you to consider certain scenarios as inevitabilities. This is going to happen. This is for sure going to happen. And uh, you start living out in your spirit, in yourself, you start living out something that has been put in your mind and now you're getting drained and you're emotionally down and, and you're troubled and, and you might even be debilitated in your ability to get through life. And uh, spirits uh, can be the cause of that. And uh, so Paul said, I, I don't want you to be shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit. So, so we, we need to be aware of that. In the Bible, uh, you know, we have the, in, uh, the example of Saul in 1 Samuel, King Saul in 1 Samuel 16, who was disturbed. He was having, you know, if you study his behaviour, he would have mood swings. That's what you might say today. You'd say to someone about Saul, be careful with him. And someone might say, well, he seems okay, yeah, but he he can just change like that. And uh, so he had irrational mood swings and uh, he became troubled and his people around him, they worked out what it was. And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 15, you know, I'd say his staff or his, those who were with him, but they said this, an evil spirit troubleth thee. They said, this is what this is, we know. Now, now, when we read that, I think we have to just double down on the fact that that's the truth. 
that that, <clears throat> that, that can happen. Uh, <clears throat> when I was very little, my mother gave me, it was one Christmas, um, it was a, a little hardcover book of stories and it was called Grimm's Fairy Tales. Don't ever give that to your children. <laughs> it's very dark. And, um, and mum gave me Grimm's Fairy Tales and I remember reading it and it was, it's, it's you know, it's stories of witches and just your classic dark European stories of of all this stuff, you know, and you read Grimm's fairy tales. Look, it's a book. It's fairy tales. There's lots of stuff in it. It's not true. But be careful that you then don't read the Bible and you read stuff like that and you sort of put it into that category. See what I'm saying? Because, because when you've done that, you've, 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 there's, a denial, there's a, a, a denial of truth that's taken place. I'm not saying you... You know, you're opposing God, but what I'm saying is it, you don't believe it is a truth for you. You can think, oh, it's not really relevant, but it can be relevant. And so spirits can be one of the things that, that can cause someone to be shaken in mind. And typically if someone is fixated on something, you know, that can be, it's not every time, but it's an indicator. Uh, um, dark, irrational thoughts, uh, thoughts of, of self-destructiveness. All right, that, that, can be, that can be spirits. Uh, when they came upon Saul, this is how it changed him. So if you, you can go back now, you study it if you're interested. But when they came upon Saul, what it did, it made him to start thinking bad about somebody else who actually cared about him. So there was someone else in his life, it was David, who was very loyal to him, loved him, really wanted to help and, and just wanted to be there for him. But when the spirits came on Saul, it affected his mind and he looked at somebody uh, uh, who was his comforter and thought that this person is actually my enemy. So, so they were, the, the spirits were working on his mind. It made him think his friends were his enemies. And so, so it can be that way. Now, uh, you know, the, 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 the people of old time used to use the expression, there's bats in the belfry. And bats in the belfry meant that, you know, the church bells that they would have on a tower, bats would often get up there and uh, they would, you know, they would, have to, they would have to be evicted or, you know, put to flight. And what we have to do, you know, we have to evict any, any presence in our life uh, that that is of that is of these spirits can be removed from your life. Now you don't need anyone to chant over you. No one has to throw holy water your way. You know that doesn't have to happen. I've been around that a bit. I've been I've been in gatherings where it's been flying around. You know, and I'm just I'm there. Uh, it could be worse. In India, they splash cow urine. That's the blessing. Uh, but uh, at least where I was, it was just water. But you don't need any of that. You don't need any of that. God has given you a certain control over your own life. In other words, you, you can decide what you will allow to be present in your life. And uh, particularly as a believer, more than just that, you now have an authority in the name of Christ 
that away. But, but if you're going to pray it away, let me ask you, first of all, do you truly want it gone? Because that they'll know if you're really double-minded about it. And sometimes people get attached to their tormentors. And they get attached to their tormentors because they've allowed themselves to become defined by their condition. And so to, to, to remove the tormentors would be to change their condition and then they, 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 you know, they don't know that, they wonder about who they will then be, their identity. But if you've decided, I don't want that, if you think that's in your life, I don't want that. I don't want spirits in my life. I, I don't want them disturbing my mind and I, I don't want that. You can pray that that be gone. And it starts by you praying and first of all you say, God, uh, I don't want the presence of spirits in my life. I don't want them here. I don't want them in my house. I don't want them around me. I don't want them, I don't want them assailing my mind. Uh, I, I, I don't want them anywhere in my life and I want them gone. And first of all, you've got to be certain in making that declaration that that is what you want. Is it really what you want? And then you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that he will remove the, those spirits' presence from your life. And we can't teach on all of this this morning, but, but should there be something that you know uh, uh, has brought that, uh, has allowed access, you've opened a, you know, a gateway up somewhere, then you need to terminate that as well. So some people aren't willing to do that. By the way, there are other people in the world who, who, just, who, just, who actually uh, host these spirits. Uh, and that will be to their destruction. But you have to decide if you really want that gone. And you name it and you pray and you ask the Lord to take it away. And uh, if God brings up any sin or if God says, look, you, you have done, you know, you're doing this and that is what is, you know, he'll tell you then you need to think about, well, I need to forsake that. But I'm just saying the presence of spirits can cause you to have a troubled mind. Uh, we don't want our children to be assailed by this. And uh, at least for a period of time, the only gateway to children would be parents. So, so you want to make sure that you're not you know, causing any, uh, anything to flow through there to the kids. But look, it can be dealt with. Uh, when you read the Bible, one of the most amazing things about spirits is just about every Christian, when they told them to go, they went. It's not really as complicated as they would like us to believe it is. It, it, just about every time they were, they were prayed away, they went. And you have an authority in Christ that is very powerful and very known to them. And so when you pray in the name of Christ... You can pray the spirits be out. I would welcome your prayer for that, for my life that way. I would welcome your prayer, uh, uh, God. I pray for Pastor Shemish that you would give him a sound mind, and that you would not allow spirits to trouble him, to assail him, to to be present in his life. And that's a that's a good prayer. I, I would welcome a prayer like that, and pray it for yourself. So he said, uh, 
uh, spirits can be the cause. Did you see that in verse number two? That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirits, more or less. Second one is neither nor by word. And the second thing that can cause you to have a shaken mind are, are words. Words. You know, words can be the cause of a shaken mind. Uh, people have just heard things on the phone that they collapsed. And nothing struck them through the phone, but it was the words. It was when, when they heard those words. Words can be very uh, powerful in their effect upon us. And words can be the cause of a shaken mind. So there are words that can be disturbing. Uh, there are words that can, can shake you. Let me say this. You should realise that you don't want to know everything. You should have got to the place now where you don't want to know everything. When I was a little kid, I used to practice putting my ear on the door. Or I tried everything. I tried putting a glass on the wall. You know, every, everything you could imagine, I, I, I tried. And because, you know, mum and dad would go in the room, close the door to have a private conversation. And in our little three-bedroom Fibro Housing Commission house, it was pretty small. And I'd, I'd be trying to listen. I never really heard. It was muffled sound mostly. But, but uh, I used to think it was a good thing to try to find out what you didn't know. But wasn't I foolish? I've now learned that is not a good thing. Now I've learned it's a good thing when you don't know things. It's a good thing because everything you know, you've got to take on board. You're right? Everything you know. And so the, the, the warfare on your mental peace is lots of things. The 24-hour news cycle is warring on your mind all the time. It's telling you bad news from every corner of the world as if it never happened before, that, that it's only happening now. Do you know, did you ever hear of the fellow called Genghis Khan? Boy, he did a lot of damage, uh, uh, millions. I mean, uh, Stalin's purges in Russia and, and uh, when Napoleon, when the Napoleonic Wars were on, People thought Napoleon certainly had to be the Antichrist. And I'm just saying, we can look at that, and it's a different time to us, but I'm just, just pointing out the fact that there's always been bad stuff going on in the world, but the more you take it in, and, and, you, and it has a double whammy, you take it in and you get disturbed by it, but secondly, you can do nothing about it. So, so there's just a feeling of hopelessness, overwhelmed, you know, you want to limit the words that you're listening to. When God made us and God made our ears, uh, somehow God decided the limit of our hearing. So we have, I don't know if you thought about this, we have a limit in our hearing. Now, if you go just right to the back of the church and talk softly, I probably will not be able to hear you. I, might, I may hear a murmured sound. I probably will not be able to hear you. Okay, but if you come closer, I'll be able to hear you. And if you started here, then took a step back, then took a step back, then took a step back, at some point, I will, I will not be able to hear you. All right, so God has designed us that there is a limit on how much we can receive. That's a, that's a purposeful design of the physical man. Because if you were here now and you could hear what people were talking about you know, a kilometre around, you would not be able to process all of that. 
You'd have a hard time listening to me if you could hear all that as well. And so what God said is you, you don't have the ability to just take in, take in everything. It, your mind can't cope. So we'll put a limit to that. We'll put a limit to it. And in the same way that we're created that way physically, we have to make those choices ourselves that I'm not going to listen to all words that are spoken. I, I don't have to listen to everything. I don't have to take in everything. Words can be very disturbing. Apparently, people here were talking. There was a lot of talk, you know, about things that were going on and, and words. And I've learned to walk away from some conversations politely, but walk away. I, I've learned if I hear something that I really don't want to hear, and it's not that I, I, I'm not willing to accept it, it's, it's not needful for me to know that then I would rather walk away because I'm trying to protect the soundness of my mind. And words are something that can, can disturb you. And you've got, to, you've got to kind of awaken to that and decide to, to limit what you choose to listen to, how much you will take in. There's Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20 and 21 says, I read both verses, sort of get in a context, as much as Ecclesiastes would. For there is not a just man upon earth, well, right, that doeth good and sinneth not. So, so, the, so God is saying, look, there isn't, there isn't anyone that is just always good. There isn't anyone who, who never sins. Now, hopefully you're going, hopefully you're agreeing and you're not thinking, well, I'm one. I, I don't know, but, but ho hopefully you, you agree with that and you realise, yeah, yeah, that's people, you know, we're all, that, that can be anyone. And then the next verse after that, sort of, because it said that, says also, you know, also about this, take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. You know, even people who greatly esteem you might say something about you in a moment or in a private setting that, would, or that if you heard it and you, you, you put too much weight on it, you'd be quite wounded by that. Who, who, who among us has not said things uh, in a moment or in a, in a context where it was private and, uh, or just in a, a moment of feeling about somebody, something, and, and really we didn't mean a whole lot by that. And we wouldn't want that to be pulled out of context or we wouldn't want that to be trumpeted to everybody else. So the Bible is saying, look, people are like that. Life is like that. Don't put too much on it. Don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't listen to everything that everybody says. Don't, don't try to find out more. What did they say? Someone said to me a while ago, oh, so-and-so said this about you, and I, it was probably designed to wound me, and it was probably true, but, but I said, well, if, if they said that, it would have been in context of something else. And that was just saying, well, maybe they didn't even say it, and two, if they did, there would have been a reason. And I would just rather look at it that way. Because words can disturb your mind. 
You know, if, if you heard something, you know, I, I, we all can say things. Would you agree with that? That's what he's saying. We all, we all can do that. But it doesn't mean we, you know, there's too much weight behind that. It can be in a moment. You know, you, 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 might, you might leave here today and you'll get in the car and you'll say, yeah, I felt Pastor Shemish was a bit off this morning. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I'll just say I've heard him better. Well, uh, well, that's okay. You know, you, if you say that, I, I, I don't mind. But if I hear you say it, <laughs> then I might go, oh, that's a bit rough. You know, you're not so great yourself or uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, why don't you get up here and give it a go or something like that. I don't know what I'd say. But, but what I'm saying is stuff gets said all the time that is not, it's not, God's advice to you is don't listen to everything. So you want to know, well, God, what do I do when I live in a... Well, God is telling you. He said, take no heed unto all the words that are spoken. The second half of that verse says, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. I I don't want to listen to everything the Thai people say about me. I I just would rather most... Used to not understand it. And then I learned Thai, and that was 50% a good thing. Uh, And 50%, sometimes I wish I didn't understand it. And then they changed to their local village language in my presence. And then I learned that. <laughs> and so, so, so I've just learned you don't want to hear everything that everybody is saying about you because it can really disturb your mind. And God is saying words can do that. So the answer is you just decide to limit what you hear. And should you hear something, uh, why don't you... Take a, at that moment, take the highest God road you can with that and just say, you know what, that, they're, they're good people. And if they said that, it would just be in a moment and there'll be a reason and it's nothing. Wouldn't that be a better way to live? Wouldn't it be good to be thinking everybody's a good person and then they think good about me even if they don't? Wouldn't that be a better way to just be than to hearing everything? Really be careful. Be careful at work what you listen to. You, you, we all know the people at work who, if you stay there long enough, you can feel yourself, you know, and then they bounce away with their coffee and you walk away like this, you know. And uh, they, can, they can change your perceptions about others. They can change. You can say, well, gee, I, all the time that I was with them, they seemed to be fine, but I never knew all this stuff you're telling me. And that brings me to my third point. Neither be by uh, no, spirit nor by word... And here's the last one, nor by letter as from us. And the third thing that can shake your mind is assumptions, making assumptions about other people. So here's what Paul was saying. Look, look, even if you get a letter from us telling you, yeah, the Lord's come and you've missed it, I just want to be clear, it's not us. Even if, you, even if you think we said that, I just want to tell you, we didn't say that. Now, does that sound familiar, 2,000 years later, that you have to say that? Even if you think that, even if somebody told you that we said this, I'm telling you now, we didn't say it. And, and, he, and he's telling you, look, don't make assumptions. Even if you think we wrote something... 
what Paul is really saying is don't think differently about me in my absence to the person you knew I was in my presence. Did you get that? So he said, when I was with you, I taught you all this. When I, you, you remember, we, we sat together, we looked at each other, I explained all this. And then somehow when I'm not here, you're now in danger of thinking that I think differently to what I told you when I was here. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't make assumptions. You, you, you remember. And when we make assumptions about what we think others are thinking about us or thinking they're, they're saying, many times really all it is, it's a failure to remember the things before. So, so you know... If I move, if I'm not here, I go away. The next, you know, whatever um, about working, I go to work. Someone says to me, "Oh, you know, uh, brother Andrew is this, and he's this, and he's that," and I might think to myself, "Well, you know, all the time I was with Andrew, I never saw that." So now I have a choice, don't I? I can either make assumptions about him in our absence, or I can say, "No, I'm going to remember what he was in my presence, and I'll hold on to that." Did you get that? So here's what, that's what he said. And, and he, 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 he doubled, he, verse number five, this is what he brings up. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you. He's saying you getting shaken in mind, thinking things that, that are not true. And I know people are stirring you up and they're, they're trying to disturb you and the devil is using words and spirits and he's bringing because he's trying to cause you to be troubled and upset but but I would ask you to remember when I was with you remember the times we were together remember what I said from my own mouth don't don't hang your hat on something that somebody else said I said don't do I was very upsetting to me here many many years ago Somebody left the church under good terms. There was no problem. Some, somebody I cared about. And uh, they left the church to go to another city for work and family and whatever. And all that's fine. Uh, but about a year later, they shared with me that they, somebody had told them that... Uh, and I, I think there was, a, there was a lost child or something. Or maybe it was... I can't remember all the details. But somebody had shared with them that Pastor Shemish said, that happened to you because you left Good Shepherd. Well, Pastor Shemish, one, would never have even thought that. Number two, Pastor Shemish certainly did not say that. So, so how is it that somehow... But what had happened was absence created an opportunity to change what was true. Absence created a vulnerability to alter perceptions about somebody. But, but those people knew when they were with me, they, I think they would say, well, no, he, he loved us and he cared. But somebody was trying to stir it up. You see what I'm saying? And there's, there's a danger to that. And the Bible is, is opening, us our, opening our understanding to saying, don't be disturbed by or troubled by spirits, or by words, or, or even if you think you think something about us, I'm telling you, it wasn't us. 
And he says in verse number five, remember. A failure to remember the love that was already demonstrated to us creates opportunities for a disturbed mind. It's when a child leaves the home and, and then redefines the experience at the home, starts to question the love that was already demonstrated. And you think to yourself, but you, you were with us. You saw how we cared for you. you. You know what we did for you. But that absence, a failure to remember, creates a vulnerability where spirits can begin to alter perceptions about things. Where I remember there was a missionary, he's in heaven now, and um, uh, he came and preached here in Australia a couple of times when I was probably 25. And he was a very fine preacher. He was, a, he was one of the best I'd ever heard. He, he, was, he was riveting to listen to. He was an American, he was a big guy, and he had lots of stories, you know. And every story was funny and interesting. So you could just sit and listen. And, and he was very sought after as a preacher because he had an ability to tell these... It was a little bit David Gibbs-like, but, but more, more, more energetic, I guess I would say, this guy. And uh, he would preach and tell these stories. And, and one minute you'd be laughing, next minute you'd be crying. And God would just use his preaching. To, and he was sought after all around the world. Uh, we had him come and eat in our home when Suzanne and I were living in a little two-bedroom apartment at Chermside, you know, renting it $145 a week as it was back then. And uh, he sat at our little four-seater table. And I'll never forget, he really took to Suzanne's roast potatoes and gravy. He was picking them off her plate to have a few more. <laughs> so he loved the food and, you know, it was just a great guy all around. And anyway, he was on one of his mission trips... He was, uh, he was on a plane and, he, and somebody opened the overhead locker and a heavy box that had tools in it fell from the locker down onto his head. And it caused, uh, you know, it, it caused such significant injuries that it altered his mind and he, he could not, certainly he lost all his memory uh, he did end up, he, he couldn't be in the ministry anymore. He's in heaven now. And he really just became a changed individual because of what had happened to his mind. It was very sad. And one of the things that happened was he'd been in a marriage for more than 40 years. So, so hopefully after 40 years, you haven't got too many doubts about her, right? Ho hopefully now you've built up some trust. 40 years in a marriage, she would give him the medication for help, but he wouldn't take it. And when people would come and visit, he'd say, my wife's trying to kill me. That's what he'd say, my wife's trying to kill me. And he thought that that's what was happening. Now, you know what? All of that came down to he could not remember their 40 years together. He couldn't remember the journey they'd been on together. And, and if you forget or a failure to remember can cause a vulnerability to believe things that are not true. And the effect of that is you can have a very troubled, disturbed mind. All right? So God wants you to have a sound mind, three things to consider. Spirits, pray about that. Words, limit what you hear. And uh, lastly, not to assume things about people that are not true.
All right? God bless you. Thank you, Pastor.